Well, hi. As we are getting ready to continue our study in Ephesians, I want to remind us of a couple of things about where we've come so far and what uh, we're trying to base literally everything uh, as we study the scripture on. Uh, there's uh, a tendency that we all have to see everything we read, everything we experience, everything we hear through a lens of uh, what we already believe to be true. It's, it, it helps us interpret or make sense of what's going on around us. So it's important that we have the right lens to look through, the, the right way of trying to uh, keep it all organized and pointed in the same direction. And what we've looked at when we looked at the series on foundations was the fact that God gave us instructions in the very beginning at um, when he created man and he said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. All right, so that's his objective. The New Testament tells us we're being conformed to the image of Christ. And in Hebrews 1, it tells us that uh, Christ is the very expressed image of God because he, in fact, is God, that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all three God in one God. Uh, they're just three in one. It's probably nearly impossible to explain. I don't think any of us really understands the concept of three being one, but it's actually foundational to how he created us, that just as they are one, we're going to see that he created us to be one with each other and one with him. All right, so we're going to start now in, this morning with Ephesians chapter 3, the first 12 verses, and it goes like this. Um, For this reason, I, Paul, uh, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation was given... Uh, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, when you read, you will understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, but it has now been revealed to his holy prophet, apostles and prophets in the spirit, to be specific that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body of Christ and fellow partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus in Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ, to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This is in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Now that's a big, long passage, but there's a word that showed up several times in there. This mystery, the mystery of the gospel, this mystery that was hidden. And, you know, I don't know if you like murder mysteries. My wife and I like to watch those, uh, trying to figure out who done it kind of thing. And 
that just means something's been hidden. There's something mysterious about it, something that's hard to understand. It, it takes it seemingly a long time to figure out. And we're looking for evidence and all those kind of things. Well, God hasn't been trying to hide the mystery from us. He actually talked about it in the Garden of Eden when he promised uh, Eve that her son would crush the serpent's head. So there's this mystery that's being hidden, that has been hidden in plain sight since the very beginning. Indeed, it's actually part of the very way we were created as beings when he said make, he's making us in his image and according to his likeness. Well, God is always three in one. He's always united um, together. Father, Son, Holy Spirit never separated. So this oneness by um, many is actually transferred into us. That's, you know, when he made Eve for Adam, he said the two become one flesh. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit, how that refers to Christ in the church. And so this mystery, which has been hidden, that Paul was given the uh, charge by God and his Holy Spirit to deliver to the Gentiles, anyone who wasn't Jewish. But by the way, you know, there's plenty of scriptures that talk about how the two, both Jews and Gentiles, have been made one, brought together in Christ so that the gospel is for everybody, the Jew first and also to the Greek. And the Greek means anybody that's not Jewish. All right, so what is this mystery? What is this thing that's been hidden in plain sight from the very beginning? Uh, and I believe it's hidden by the one who wants to keep us from knowing and understanding uh, the truth of the gospel, which is Satan himself, the liar and the father of all lies. Well, the mystery is this. Let's look at uh, another scripture here to back it up. It's about being one with God and one with each other, this joining together of beings uh, that are uniquely individual and yet one in essence and one in uh, relationship, oneness of the way they think and choose to live their lives. In Roman, excuse me, in John chapter 17, Jesus is talking about this when he's praying to the Father the night that he's arrested to be crucified. And it goes like this. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. By the way, that's you and me. Jesus was praying for us that very night. Verse 21, that they may be one, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. So he's talking about something here that is unknown in any other religion, any other uh, faith in the world. This joining of us with God um, by the work of the Holy Spirit uh, as a gift. You know, he said, the glory which you have given me, I have given to them. So this glorious nature that a child of God is given in order that he had to have in order to be joined uh, to God in a one relationship was a gift. It wasn't uh, something we earned through being good and doing great deeds or whatever. It's a gift. All right, so that's the mystery. It's really very simple. 
we, over the years, have tried to complicate it with uh, joining other things to it, you know, and the gospel plus anything is actually not the gospel, and the gospel minus anything that's part of it is actually not the gospel either. But there's a lot of gospels out there that are preached and taught that are actually a mixture of the gospel and other things, which the, Paul says that's actually a different gospel and it's of no value to anybody. Uh, but there's a lot of those out there. All right, so uh, what is this? Why was it sealed up? Why was it seemingly hidden throughout all the ages uh, and only revealed? Well, like I said, it's been revealed. That, you know, the gospel was preached all throughout the Old Testament. Um, Bible refers to that in several places. Um, you know, even in, in Isaiah 53, you know, where it talks about the suffering Messiah and those kind of things. So it's been there for a long time. So let's look at another verse to talk about, maybe understand a little bit why it seems to have been sealed up and hidden from us. In Colossians 1, 25 through 27, it says this, Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship of God, from God bestowed on me for your benefit that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery, which has been hidden from past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to the saints to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of this glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's another passage that talks about how those who had the early promises, the Jewish nation and the patriarchs and so forth, that they would not be made perfect apart from us, the current generation, the, the ones after the advent of Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection and the indwelling Holy Spirit. See, they believed God looking forward to the salvation that he would bring. We believe God looking back at the salvation he brought in Christ. But all of it is joined together. And what is it? Well, he says right here, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. God made us glorious. God made us accepted in the beloved. He made us righteous before him and sealed us by placing himself in us. You know, the Bible talks about we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Uh, that it's Christ in you, the hope, hope of glory. Another place says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Talking about God himself. Why is the spirit within us talked about as being God's spirit or the Holy Spirit or the spirit of Christ, because they're all one, not only one, but one in complete essence and personhood. They are one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Again, that's hard to explain. I don't think any of us really understands it, but we will someday. All right, so the mystery that it's hidden is actually quite simple. It's Christ in us. It seems to have been sealed because it's so, I believe, so contrary to anything we've ever experienced. Uh, we've never experienced anything like that on planet Earth, where let's say you went to school and you're trying to learn how to be uh, an architect or an English teacher or a poet or whatever. That teacher that you stand and or sit in front of and listen and they explain the intricacies of the English language or whatever, they don't come and live inside of us. They don't indwell us forever so that, you know, now I have Shakespeare living in me or, you know, Pythagoras or 
you know, Leonardo da Vinci or somebody living inside of me because he, I understand, you know, like Isaac Newton and the theory of gravity and all that kind of stuff and Einstein. Well, they don't come live inside of us. We listen and we learn. So we tend to think of God as outside. We're trying to learn how to just do it on our own. Well, this great mystery that has been seemingly hidden is because it's so contrary to anything we've ever experienced. It's actually God himself living inside of us. I love uh, Ian Thomas, uh, dear beloved saint of God. He's gone on to be with the Lord now, but he said, I heard him say one time when I was uh, attending a conference he was teaching, it's literally someone living in someone. We have been joined with him. We're going to talk about that some more here just in a minute. But here's, here's what I talked about. It's been around for a long time. Back in Ezekiel uh, chapter 36, it goes, over, it goes like this. Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27, uh, those two verses. Moreover, I give you a new heart and a new spirit within you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit within you. And I will remove your heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to take away your stony heart and give you a tender heart. Verse 27, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues that you may be careful to observe my ordinances. And what are his statutes and ordinances? Jesus made it real clear when he was here. The commandment that matters is to love others as I have loved you. Just like all the Old Testament scriptures were summed up in love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, it really boils down to one commandment, to love the way I love. And how do we do that? Well, the one who is love moves inside and begins to transform us by the renewing of the mind, teaching us to see the way he sees, to understand the way he understands, to speak the words that he speaks, and to do the deeds that he does. Just like Jesus said, I don't do anything of my own initiative. I only do what I see the Father doing. He said in other places, I don't even speak of my own initiative. Whatever I hear the Father saying, that's what I say. It was a real-time dynamic that in the moment, when he opened his mouth, what people heard was what God was saying to them in that moment because he, by faith, trusted his father so much that he, his words, his actions, his deeds were the very words, actions, and deeds of God the Father. And that's what he's talking about here. This thing he's been promising, this thing he had in mind when he said, let us make man in our image, has always been that we would live completely united to him in conjunction with him, thinking the way he thinks, speaking the way he speaks, and acting the way he acts. Not as, as an example where I see him from afar off and read about him in a book and think, okay, I've got to somehow mimic that. It's literally, he is here. He lives in me. He's, he is actually doing that right now. And I am cooperating with him. That's just a great way to, to describe faith and trust is, okay, he's loving my enemy and saying kind words to them. So when I open my mouth, kind words come out of my mouth that he wants to say to my enemy or my friend. It doesn't matter. It could be anybody. All right. So this mystery of Christ, it's so simple that it actually kind of fakes us out. We, we think it's got to be hard because the world has taught us that everything of value is hard. You know, uh, education and diplomas and degrees and accolades and winning the Olympics and all that kind of stuff, the hard training and all those things, when in reality, it's the simplicity of resting in Christ. He said, come unto me and I'll give you rest. 
all who are weary and heavy laden. Learn from me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Now, years ago, I realized I must have the wrong yoke and the wrong burden because the one I was pulling, the yoke I was pulling wasn't easy and the burden I was carrying wasn't light. Well, let's talk about this simple and pure um, mystery. Okay, in uh, Colossians 2, verse 2 and 3, it says, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So everything that God has, he wrapped it up in Jesus and delivered it to us. Through his death, burial, and resurrection, it says when you receive him, he gives us the right to become the sons of God, and he sends himself to live inside of us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And it says in John 14 and 16, when it talks about the Spirit coming, it says in chapter 16, when he comes, he'll be with you and in you forever. He'll never leave you. Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you or forsake you. All right, so the simplicity is that when you receive Christ, you received everything. Jesus said, everything the Father has, he's given to me. And that's why he says, the Holy Spirit, he'll tell you about everything you have in me. He will reveal to you what you received when you received me as a fellow heir with Jesus Christ, an heir of God. So whatever Jesus got from his father, if you're a child of God, you got the same thing, the exact same list of fantastic treasures that are hidden in Christ, who is now hidden in you as a child of God. 2 Corinthians 11.3 says, when Paul was talking to the Corinthian church, he was fearful of, that they were being led astray. He said, I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Christ is enough for any and every situation. He created the universe, and he's down in the details of life that we live, He's been tempted in every respect that we are, yet without sin, so he knows how to help us with temptations. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are wrapped up in him, so how to figure things out, how to, you know, husbands, how to love your wives, wives, how to live in submission to your husband, what does that really look like? Is it the kind of religious version we've been taught out here in the world uh, by well-meaning people who are off track? Or is it really about, like Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. That's a perfect picture of submission. And he tells the husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So it's, again, it's putting ourselves under someone to help lift them up. It's serving another person. He said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And he's teaching us to do the same thing. So it's simple and pure devotion to Christ where we learn to walk like he walks, talk like he talks, live like he lives. Not like he did 2,000 years ago, but how's he living today? If he lives in you, he's living that same way today. And he wants to live that same way through us. Okay, another thing we'll look at is the means through which the Father communicates his plan for man. This is really good here in, in Romans 16, uh, verse 25 through 27, it says this, Now to him who is able to establish you, according to my gospel, and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, 
which has been kept secret for long ages past, but is now manifested by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all nations, leading to obedience of faith to the only wise God through Jesus Christ be glory forever. This revelation of mystery, where we trust the wisdom of our Father, that through faith in Christ, glory is being revealed. And how do we know it? Well, it says it's been manifested by the scriptures of the prophets. So it's been all through the Old Testament. The message didn't change when Jesus came. The mystery was explained when Jesus came. And I think that is an amazing truth that we need to keep in mind. You know, Jesus didn't come and change anything. He came and established what had already been said for thousands of years through all the prophets and the patriarchs and those who walked by faith even before Abraham, like uh, Noah and Enoch and Melchizedek and the, the gospel that was preached in the Garden of Eden. There's always been a, a message of truth coming, and he's always been telling it to us, but now he's really explained it through Christ. But again, we have a tendency to not see it because we're, we're looking through a lens that's distorted, like the silly mirrors at the carnival. We need to have our lens straightened out and polished and made clear so that we look at everything through the person of Christ, because he indeed is the very representation of God, and he's also the image we're being conformed to, Romans 8, 29. All right, so the Father's plan is that we trust him, and we only trust intimately those we believe to be trustworthy. Now, this is a very important reality. If we don't get to know God for who he really is, then we will trust the version we think he is, which could lead us to fear, anxiety. It could make us arrogant or proud. Uh, it can make us abusive if we see him as being abusive. We have a tendency to act like God as we know him to be. But if what we know God to be is actually false, then we're not living out the life that pictures the true God, the one who lives in us, that's trying to live through us. So like in Philippians 3, Paul said, you know, I gave up everything so I could do one thing, and that was know him. Because Paul was shown that knowing God through Christ actually leads to everything else we're looking for in life. Success, uh, contentment, um, peace, those things that the Bible says are like the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So there's this continual improvement that's going on through the Holy Spirit and the Scriptures and the indwelling Holy Spirit who's leading us to understand the truth about who God is and who we are that brings to us the things we've been longing for our entire life. In uh, Ephesians 1, 9, and also in verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 31 and 32, we see these truths. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the kind intention which he purposed in him. Who is him? Well, that's Christ. The mystery of God's will has been made known to us through the kind purpose which he had uh, intended through Christ himself. Chapter 5 goes like this, verse 31 32. For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. He's using that as an example to teach us something. And what's the example? 
He says, the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and his church. So even the created uh, design for man and woman, the two become one, was put there to teach us about this design that he put in us when he created us, where more than one person can be joined as one, not losing their individuality and yet being one. He said that was put there in order to show us the mystery that actually belongs to Christ in the church. Now, who's Christ? Well, he's, the, he's our husband. Who are we? The church is the bride of Christ. And so we've been made one with him through salvation. And that's, it, that is the completion of the Father's plan. And the rest of it that happens after that is learning to express what God completes in us through Christ. 1 Timothy uh, 3.16 says this, And common, by common confession, this is the mystery of godliness. By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who, he who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit, beheld by angels, proclaimed among the Asian, nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. It was all wrapped up in Christ. The mystery of godliness was revealed through Christ himself who said, come unto me and I'll give you rest. He, hid, he, he prayed, Father, that they would be one, that's us, even as they are one. It was all wrapped up in Christ. And if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, and Christ is in the Father and the Father is in Christ, we saw in John 17, there's an incredible joining there, a oneness of beings that God had in mind from the very beginning. And he actually accomplished that. He finished the matter in Christ. Revelation uh, chapter 10 says this, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, you know, there's angels that are speaking and there's plagues and woes coming on the earth. And the last one is the seventh angel. It says, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God is finished as he preached to his servants, the prophets. So this mystery that he's been bringing to us from the very beginning is finished through Christ. That is the goal he's headed for. When you receive Christ and Christ lives in you because you are in Christ and you're both in God and dwelt by the Holy Spirit, it's an amazing joining. And that's exactly what Jesus prayed as we looked at a while ago in John 17. And I guarantee Jesus' prayers are being answered. Well, we'll talk a lot more about this as we go forward, but I really wanted to talk about the completeness of this mystery of godliness, which is in Christ alone. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And build more upon that phenomenal truth that he has given us. Let's pray. Father, I do ask that you'll help us to understand, give us eyes and ears in the spirit and a real spirit of understanding to know about this mystery that was hidden forever it seemed like that's been revealed through the prophets and the scriptures and the apostles but now is being revealed to us by the holy spirit as even today uh, you are revealing this mystery about christ in us the hope of glory uh, give us eyes to see and ears to hear we pray in christ's name amen